this time, if you could have your Bibles open, I'm going to refer to a couple of verses pr- uh, before um, the passage that we read as well. So if you can keep it open, that would be great. And let's uh, pray as we hear, uh, open up God's word. Lord, once again, we thank you so much for your living and powerful words. And we pray that it will shape our minds and hearts and our lives. Um, Lord, help us to get what it means to work for you, but also rest in you. And we pray that you'll speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If I ask you the question, um, do you know which of the European countries have the longest working hour? Um, longest working hour. Which, which country would you guess? Could, somebody could be brave enough to shout out some of the answers. Hong Kong. No, European countries. I'm sorry, I didn't have the data on it. Actually, it's Korea in, in this area, uh, in this region. It's actually um, Korea. But um, in, in Europe, um, do you know which one? Germany. Germany is a good guess because they're um, uh, the most, one of the most productive countries in, um, in Europe. Um, any other guesses? Italy. Switzerland. Very good. Ukraine. Oh, UK, UK. Um, You're all wrong. (laughs) You would never have guessed. You would have never have guessed. But it's actually Greece. Greece has the longest working hours in Europe. um, And it goes in this order. Greece, Hungary, Poland, Estonia, Turkey, Czech Republic, and Italy. And according to the same research, these are the countries that are most productive um, in Europe, so from, least, uh, from most productive to least. It's Luxembourg, Norway. I think there are some Norwegians um, here. Congratulations. <laughs> no, Norway, Ireland, Belgium, Netherlands, France, Germany, and Denmark. You see, the, the, the longest work hours and the most productive, they're two completely different lists. None of the countries actually overlap. Um, in fact, often it's the most, it's countries that, uh, that work actually the least hours that are most productive. For example, the Dutch, uh, the Dutch uh, work the least hours in Europe, but they're on the fifth in the most productive list. Um, uh, and Germans work the second fewest hours in Europe, but these highly efficient Germans are actually on the seventh of the most productive list. Norway is third fewest hours, um, but also second most productive after Luxembourg. The average uh, uh, Greeks work 40% more hours than Germans, but they're also on the eighth of the most productive list. And I'm sure this doesn't come as a surprise if you really think about it. Longer work hours does not mean necessarily higher productivity. You can work for six hours, an 80-hour week, but that doesn't mean that you will do great, quality, good work. And it sounds like common wisdom then. Um, I think one of the, 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 the best way to achieve work-life balance is working hard when you're supposed to. Work hard when you're supposed to. And that's the only way, really, how you will get some rest Even the fourth commandment on rest, keeping the Sabbath holy, actually starts out a little bit of a line, reminder that we're supposed to work. So take a look at verse 8 and 9. 
So it says in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day and keep it by keeping it holy. That's true. So remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But then look at verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Six days, it's a reminder that we're supposed to work. We're supposed to work to rest. We're supposed to work hard when we're supposed to work hard. So we can set a day aside to rest. It's often not working hard that actually gets us um, not resting very well. When I was working with university students, I often heard lots of excuses from students, how, how busy they were. And for some students, it was almost a badge of honor to say, oh, I've, I've done, you know, I've pulled this all-nighter, and that, you know, I've pulled five all-nighters this the past week because it, it was so hard. But then I also knew one guy who graduated from um, Yale with one A-, everything else was A, one A minus, um, who went on to uh, Johns Hopkins Med School, he's a doctor now, who came to all the Sunday schools, uh, all the, uh, on all Sundays. He actually was what was called presider. Who was, he, he led the church as a lay person. Um, he did all the things that he was supposed to do in the church because he worked when he was supposed to. He worked really hard. He would say, often say, oh, I can't do that. I can't go out. To, to movies with you. I can't, um, uh, uh, I can't hang out tonight because I have to keep Sabbath holy. I have to set a day apart so that I could, um, I could worship God on that day, so I could have a Sabbath day. Um, and uh, I, I know this won't solve all the problems, working hard. I am working hard, actually. Um, Work hours, um, it, it's not just that you're slacking off. I know that there are other factors as well. Um, uh, cultural factors. Actually, there's a Korean uh, person who said um, there's a civil servant in Korea, once again, has the highest work hours in, in Asia. It's just, it, he, he said it's bad form to leave the office before the boss does. So people will hang around doing nothing when the boss leaves, and uh, they, they don't feel free to leave until the boss leaves, and it's in that kind of culture. I know that there are cultural factors as well in there, and lots of, I mean, sometimes you are, you have a busy, you, you, you have busy seasons. If you're an accountant right now, I'm sorry. It's a busy season for you, and I'm sorry. Um, I know that it won't solve all the problems, but one way of achieving work-life balance is to work hard. Work hard so that you can take a day off, especially in a place like Hong Kong. And you can only do that if you really make the Sabbath day, the seventh day, a highlight of the week. So you rearrange your life so you can keep a day of complete rest to keep it holy. Let me tell you uh, what I mean. I, I lived in Jerusalem for a couple of uh, months, um, and in, in, in some places in the world, like Jerusalem, everything shuts down on Sabbath day. Everything. Everything closes. Bus drivers, uh, buses don't work. There are taxi, no, no taxi drivers. Uh, well, there are some Gentile um, taxi drivers in Jerusalem, but no taxi drivers. Um, shop owners close their shops. So, if you are to keep the Sabbath holy, you really have to work ahead. You have to plan ahead. You have to uh, cook your dinners. You have to uh, contact people. You have to do, uh, you have to do uh, shopping before the Sabbath day. And, and that's the only way, really, for them to be able to keep Sabbath because everything shuts down. And in order for you to keep the Sabbath holy, you really need to plan ahead and work ahead and keep the Sabbath in your mind and make it highlight of the week. 
I have a friend, Christian friend, once again, that, that you, you know, um, just says no to a lot of different things um, during the week because she wants to keep the Sabbath holy. You all need rest. Hong Kong is a place where rest is really, really necessary. This is a competitive society. People are always trying to get ahead. Um, you physically need it, but actually it won't come without an effort. You will need to work, plan around the Sabbath day so you can take a rest, make a Sabbath day special. But um, this... Um, would be a terrible talk um, on Sabbath-keeping if I just told you to work hard. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to talk about rest. And really, the fourth commandment really is about rest. The crux of the commandment, obviously, is to rest. In verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord, to the Lord your God. And this is good news, isn't it? That you are told to rest. Obeying God means that you are resting. And actually, this is very important for us, I think, because, you know, when you feel like you, you can do more, you can do more, maybe I can do a little bit more, you can't even rest all that well, because even as you are resting, even as you're taking a walk in the mountains, your mind races back to the pile of paper that you have to, do, you have to look at and the report that you have to write. But you, your menta- mentality has to switch off, doesn't it? You really have to say, okay, obeying Jesus means I get rest, at least a day. I turn off, and this is not, work is not an option for me. It's not an option for me. And that's really good news. And partly, God tells us this because um, God made us in this way. God made day and night so that you can work and rest. And God has set aside a day uh, in the week and told us to rest because it, we, we need it. Um, people, are, uh, people who work need to rest. Um, but the people... Uh, But the purpose of the Sabbath day actually is a bit deeper than that. It's not so that we work really hard so that we can, we can work, I mean, we rest so that we can work better. That's not what its purpose was. So what is the purpose? Um, in, in, in verse 11, uh, there's the purpose, the reason is given there. Sorry, I skipped over the Ephesians bit thought that the sermon was too long. Um, Verse 11, the reason is given here. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's because God created the whole earth and then he rested on the seventh day and made it holy that we are told to rest. This isn't simply a reminder that God rested on the seventh day. There's a deeper principle at work here. What he's saying is we, we ought to rest as God did because we are not gods. As part of obeying God, we are told to rest because God is the one who created the heavens and, uh, and the earth. Even he rested and now he tells us to rest on the seventh day. We're told to devote a day to him, remembering that really God is the creator and we are his creation. God is the one who spoke the universe into existence. God is the one who sustains our existence right now and God is the one who will create future for us tomorrow and the days to come. God is the creator God and you are a creation. You are 
a dependent being. Your existence, what you will do tomorrow, is completely dependent upon God. God is the creation. You are a creation. And is not what really what verses, uh, commandments one through three was all about. Remember, uh, 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 um, commandment number one in Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. There's no other God. I am the Lord your God. That's, that's number one. Number two is you can't make a, the, 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 really the same um, commandment in a slightly different way. You can't make any idols because I'm the only God. You can't take my name in, in vain because I am God. That's really the one, two, one, two, uh, one through three. God is God, right? And that's, it's reminding us that really God is the one in control. That God is our God who loves us. Our biggest temptation is to make, to put ourselves in the place of God as we work, especially as we do important work. And the world keeps us, uh, keeps uh, trying to trick us into thinking that we are gods, that everything depends on us, that we are too important to rest. A London newspaper, Evening Standard, did a, uh, an article on busyness. And there it gives three reasons for being busy. Number one, busy makes you feel smug. It makes you feel powerful and wanted. It makes you feel, in short, like a G8 leader popping out of the auditorium to tackle another world crisis. Busy is the cocaine of the 20th, 21st century. Number two, I need busy to feel good. And when I don't have busy, I feel lost. So I need to get busier in order to feel good again. Number three, being busy prevents you from worrying about yourself. It allows you to consider big things such as, what is the purpose of your life? You see what I'm trying to say here. Busy, being busy makes, makes us feel good. It makes us feel important and necessary. It allows us, it, it, it um, deceives us uh, from thinking that we are like gods. That we're not just creatures who are here and who could go away any day. In fact, um, Busy, being busy also makes us forget that we're dependent being. It, it, for, it makes us forget that, that there's a purpose. There's a greater purpose um, in life that God has given us. And ultimately, it makes us forget that really things are outside of our control. A dependent being whose life could change at any minute. And if you have had any sort of life crisis, you know that. You know that life is really, at the end of the day, out of your control. But people want to be busy for the same reason that Adam and Eve wanted to be why they ate the, uh, the, the, the fruit and why people build the Tower of Babel, so they can be like God. They can feel like God. And they, the world tells us that in order for us to have a future, in order for us to have a house in Hong Kong or have a nice job in Hong Kong, that we have to just work really, really hard all the time to get ahead. That that is our only hope. But on the Sabbath day, we remind ourselves that God created us and God commands us to rest. That we are we are creatures created by God whose existence is dependent on, who, on, on God. We're saying to God as we rest, we've obeyed your call to work, but now we'll also obey your call to rest. 
Because our future and securities not, is dependent on you, is on you, not and out of my hands. And whatever you think of my sermons, um, I do quite, I mean, I, I do put a lot of work in, in these things, and I'm tempted to work on Saturdays. Uh, it's my Sabbath day, it's a day apart from me, um, that I have to remember that really resp- the, my speaking to you is not my doing. At the end of the day, if, unless God speaks to all of you, that this means nothing. And that I, and I take, I, 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 it's only with that mindset I can go on Saturday, okay, I'm not going to work on this. I'm not going to work on this at all. And you too might think, if I just work a little bit harder, if I uh, worked on this um, uh, report a bit better and, and make these phone calls and work on my sales technique or you know, if I make this presentation just a bit more brilliant. So we work longer hours and we fail to remember that God is the creator. Sabbath is made for us to remind us that we are not in control, but God is. We're still on number two, actually. Um, but secondly, um, if we fail to remember... Um, uh, 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 so, so we're to remind ourselves that God is the creator and we're God's creation. But actually, the rationale given for uh, keeping the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is slightly different. So if you can open up to, if you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's a couple of books back. There Moses recalls this whole uh, story again. He recalls the Ten Commandments here. And the intriguing thing is that the rationale behind the reason why we should keep the Sabbath changes slightly in verses 12 to 15 there. And in verse 15, this is what Moses says. We're to keep the Sabbath. Remember, in verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And that your, uh, the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord um, your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Here, the re- reason is, there's no mention of the creation. Um, it's, the reason is, remember how God saved you out of Egypt. God delivered you out of Egypt with his mighty arm. And if you know anything about the Old Testament and the Bible, the Exodus event is the great salvation event of the Old Testament that people look will back to again and again and again throughout the Old Testament. And that's also just a small foreshadowing of the greater deliverance that we will have in Jesus. The greater deliverance um, out of sin, out of the bondage of sin that Jesus delivers with the price of his own blood. And at the heart of this is this. That it's God loves us. And God will make us his own because God loves us. It tells us that we are valuable in God's eyes. Marva Don has this wonderful um, insight um, into the culture. And it says one of the ugliest things that she sees in the modern culture is that we usually assess people's worth, people's values on the basis of their productivity or accomplishments. We think a person is great if the person has a great job or is making a difference in this world or has accomplished a great deal. And to a certain extent, I've been talking about how important our job is, how we, we ought to be salt and light in this world. But I don't want, to, want you to mistake uh, what I'm saying here. Being salt and light is our mission. God has given us this mission. But our value comes from an entirely different place. Who we are and what we are worth comes from the fact that Jesus died for us. That while we were still sinners, God died for us 
And that gives us value. We are people whom God has paid for. We are, we, we are loved beyond our imagination. Um, we're given this worth uh, that's beyond our imagination. And too often we fail to appreciate others because they're not good at certain things or they don't measure up to certain uh, uh, the standards of the, of the world. And you see what the Sabbath day is meant to do. It's meant to remind you that you are valuable, that God saved you. God brought you out of darkness. God saved sinners. Uh, while we were still sinners, God, um, Christ died for us. And I think it's also significant then to think about it this way. That God creates Adam and Eve on the sixth day. I mean, uh, yeah, on the sixth day, and they're told to rest on the seventh day right away. Before they start working, they're loved. Before they produced anything, before they started their work, they're loved. God says, enjoy the good creation that I have given you. And in the New Testament, God tells us, you are loved beyond your imagination. Enjoy the things that I give you because you are valuable. In order to get rest, we need to know. We need to know our, our worth, our identity as creatures of God, our worth as people who are loved by God. Actually, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> um, but enjoying Sabbath isn't just working um, hard uh, for six days and resting on the seventh day. Sabbath is to remind ourselves of our creation, um, our identity and value. But if we do that, it also changes your working week, that you'll develop a Sabbath lifestyle. Sabbath lifestyle. And uh, uh, it's not, Sabbath isn't just an escape from work, pressures of work, but it actually is a day of vision correction. I think this is a Marva Don's um, quote there. This is how uh, Marva Don, a theologian uh, who wrote a great book on Sabbath, um, uh, tells it. I've discovered the longer I enjoy Sabbath, the very customs of that day gives me not only refreshment, which makes the tension much less powerful in the days that follow, but also new perspectives, new priorities, and a new sense of God's presence, which all cause the tensions themselves to assume a less hostile shape during the weeks to come. The Sabbath is not running away from problems, but an opportunity to receive grace to face them. You see what she's saying? She's saying that keeping the Sabbath is a day of vision correction. Your priorities change. You're reminded that you're graced. That you're reminded that God is with you on that day. And then you take that during your work days. And when you take that, when you, that have, when you have that sort of vision correction, the way that you work, the pressures of work, the competitiveness, competitiveness uh, 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 that you face, it, it's like, it, it loses its edge. You work differently because your visions and your minds corrected on the Sabbath day, on the day of rest. Actually, it's only then, it's only when we, are, uh, we know that we're creatures who are created loved, saved, and secure in God, that we can enjoy our work. We no longer work to find security. We no longer work merely to make a living. We no longer believe that we have to survive on our own in this cutthroat marketplace. We're reminded that in our rest, that God is God, 
and that we are not. That all of our lives are God's, that we can offer all of our lives as a living sacrifice and spiritual act of worship. You know, in the new creation, when the eternal Sabbath, the Hebrews chapter 4 talks about, comes, it's not that there won't be any work. There will be new, in the new creation, there will be work. But the way that we work will be transformed. The way that we work will be transformed. We will completely live and work in this Sabbath lifestyle, in resting in God. Work-life balance will continue to be difficult, especially in places like Hong Kong. Until Jesus comes back again, and then this, the whole creation is renewed again, we will have to struggle um, to, to rest. And some of us um, will do a better job than others in finding the right balance. But the basics need to be really clear. It's only, once again, if I could w- remind you that you know, work hard when you're supposed to. Work hard. And know that you are God's creation, that you are loved beyond your imagination, that your self-worth doesn't have to come from the works of your hands, but the fact that God died for you. And then I hope you can take that mindset into your work, and I hope you can experience God's grace at work in your workplace. I was going to... um, uh, one of the people that I actually, I, I wrote this uh, sermon about five years ago um, and preached somewhere else, uh, some elements of it. And I had, actually, when I wrote it, Alice in mind, Alice, um, who's now an apprentice um, here, because she's really, really good at keeping the Sabbath. Um, and I was going to have her come up and um, ask her a few questions. But since she's at the hospital, can we just pray for her quickly? Let's pray.